Welcome, everybody. It is episode 45. We've taken about a month off, and it feels good to be back in the kitchen, even though I'm in it every day. He hasn't been here in a while, so welcome. And tonight, our guest is Brad Summers. He's the director of the Boys and Girls Club of Alpena, so welcome, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> All right. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook, just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. And our email address is hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It is H O T T A K E F R O M T H E K I T C H E N at gmail.com. No emails in the past month. So, all right. I guess we will get to the hot takes as Steve's working on his top five list. <laughs> Not paying attention. <laughs> I'm paying attention. You do intros. You do a good job. All right. All right. The first hot take topic. I don't know if anybody's going to have a hot take on it, but MySpace lost over 50 million songs in a data transfer this weekend. So that was 12 years worth of content from 2003 to 2015. And I really didn't know MySpace was still in business. That was my comment. <laughs> I thought they had gone and shipped the bed a long time ago, but apparently they are still going. So MySpace is a thing? Well, last time I knew MySpace, they were really a big platform for independent artists. So well, that's I, what they started out as. Yeah, kind of, so I think that's probably why. Interesting. I don't, I mean, I'm not surprised, although I don't think it would be as tragic as it once was due to the fact that I'm sure those. That content is in other places, just the way the world is nowadays. It just sounds like MySpace is giving up now because they made it out to be a, like it wasn't a big deal, but it's still a lot of stuff just lost because don't let it transfer your data to a new server. Was it was it hacked or was no. there was there a reason for this? They were a new got a new <laughs> server or something, and they're trying to transfer everything over. They just huh. Lost it. Better in a data breach. Yeah. yeah. All right. I don't like that topic. <laughs> topic number two. 88 pounds of plastic bags were found in the stomach of a dead whale in the Philippines, and the whale died of dehydration and starvation. So we need to stop polluting our oceans and waterways. Especially plastic bags, because obviously shit's happening with the whales and other sea mammals and sea life. It's really sad. So I got something really cool about that. So what my my wife has discovered is actually uh, beeswax plastic. They're not plastic bags. They're actually beeswax bags. And you can wash them. You can reuse them. And they're good for like a year and a half before like the beeswax actually like starts to degrade. Um, which is a much better alternative than plastic sandwich bags, things of that nature, and metal straws. Isn't that an amazing, <laughs> amazing thing? That plastic plastic straws are still so common, especially in areas like rural areas like ours, where most of the restaurants we have three McDonald's here in Alpena. Yeah. But for some reason, we have not adhered to paper straws or strawless fast food restaurants. These kind of restaurants feed 
I don't know how many millions of Americans every day and it goes right back into the into the garbages which ends up in landfills or lands up in oceans creating islands and dangerous dangerous things for our seafaring friends yeah I was at NOAA a couple of weeks ago and I saw they had hard plastic straws mm -hmm. like $14 or something I was like man that's a lot but over the course of time <clears throat> but if you add up to it it's just like plastic bottles. I mean, most people now have their own, you know, portable containers where they put their water or their drinks in now. You know, it's it's smart and it's eco-friendly and it's earth conscious. And, yeah. you know, I think as a, as a society moving forward, I think we have to really take those kind of uh, issues and really run with them. Yeah. You know? Well, Allison always wants to buy glass straws. <clears throat> and I don't let her, but we... We have metal straws. So, yeah. Um, and then, of course, Starbucks this coming year is getting rid of their, their straws. They're going to that flippy flop thing with the lead now. So, they actually found a way to get rid of straws. So, it's kind of cool. It is cool. Yeah. All right. Topic number three. An eight-year-old homeless refugee from Nigeria was crowned the chess champ in New York. I think that's... Nice little story. An eight-year-old kid who emigrated here from Nigeria but is homeless and is winning chess championships. Is that like an age thing or is that like all the entire world he's the best chess player? Uh, I <clears throat> didn't really read the whole article. I just looked at the headline, but I can look it up real quick. Discuss if you want. Or... I'd like to meet this, this kid's mentor. I guess I, I guess I just want to know what he's playing. I mean, if he's just playing against other kids, then I guess it's kind of cool. But if he's beating adults, then it's super cool. So I mean, I mean, if it's kind of like a Bobby Fischer kind of thing, yeah. where you know, where he's he's beating a, a fifty year old man who's been playing for forty five years of his life, that's pretty amazing. But yeah, I'd really like to meet the guy, the guy's mentor, who's actually teaching this kid how to play. Um, yeah, chess is a very complicated game, and it's pretty cool to hear that an eight year old is. Taking to especially you know someone who came to the country and is homeless. I don't see anything on who he was beating. But... I'm going to go with that he was beating professional, world class chess players. Mm -hmm. As he is an eight year old prodigy, <clears throat> beating grand champions. He beat the Russians. Sounds yeah. good. That's what I'm going with. Yep. He ended the Cold War. It is super impressive then. Cold War. <laughs> He's a new I'm guy. guessing he probably just played other kids, like somewhat his own age. Probably. But in the story, is more that he came from Africa. Yeah. And, but, I mean, yeah. He was strong rook play. You can beat anybody. I, uh, <laughs> my only chess story I have is I don't, I mean, I don't know how to play chess, but I don't. Consider myself a chess player by any stretch of imagination. Allison's cousin, or nephew, sorry, um, loves playing chess. And he always plays everyone in the family. And they're always like, come on, play me, play me, play me. And then, uh, and this is, I mean, this kid, I've known this kid for 13 years. And I've never played him. Finally, this is last Christmas. He goes, Uncle Steve, we've ever played chess. Let's play. I, I mean, if you want to, we can. I beat the snot out of the kid. <laughs> Sent the message. <laughs> Halfway through, he's like, "I see you know how to play chess." And I'm like, "Yep, I do." He's like, "Well, this is a you know, this is good for me." <laughs> Sounds like me and my niece playing memory. She's always talking trash and beating everybody in the family, but 
She can't ever beat me. Yep. Sometimes you just gotta let them know. That's right. All right. I guess last topic. I don't know if I want to talk about it, but whatever. The Supreme Court rejected a B&B owner. They had a lawsuit in Hawaii, and they rejected the B&B owner in favor of a lesbian couple who were denied a room by the B&B owner because of religious Christian beliefs, which I think is a bunch of BS. Hmm. We... Everybody is a person. We need to stop this bigotry and stuff uh, against. So there was two couples there, and one guy denied. The one couple, there was one couple, okay. the lesbian couple, were denied. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I don't agree with it, but if it's a B and B, that's going to be it's that's that right refuse to right to refuse business. I'm not saying that it's right. But there is an anti-discrimination law in Hawaii. Oh wow! I think the best way when something like that goes down is simply just you know what if you want to rent a room for me, I don't want to rent a room for you in the first place. Then and then in five years or two months when they're out of business because nobody else will want to go there. Then what? Capitalism take its course. That's how I ask them. Because what if you? I mean, if you start forcing people to do stuff, I just, I don't know. We delivered a guy here. I'll give you a great example. We delivered a car to a guy that wore a rebel flag, probably on his sweatshirt, through the whole, the whole trans, the whole thing. And I'm sitting there like, are you flipping kidding me? But like, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. And he wasn't from the South, so, like, you know, that's the problem. Well, maybe he was from the South. He wasn't. No. So. Yeah, if he was, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> ah. But, I mean, I get it. I mean, that's the beauty of this country. You can be mad about it, and I get to say I'm mad about it, and he gets to wear that sweatshirt. It's the beauty of, the, <laughs> beauty of what it is. And that flag on the back of his big jacked up truck, and what? Well, I'm not. It doesn't matter what he bought, because I'm certainly not going yeah. to disclose all that. But I'm sure he probably. I'm sure he probably is already going and decorating, which is good for him. And we appreciate the business. Yeah. I guess I just I have my thoughts on what the church teaches sometimes, so. I think everybody, they say we shouldn't judge people, but the Catholic Church loves to judge people. Well, yeah, I mean, that's all religions, I mean, in a way, but and it's unfortunate, you're right, I mean, that is, yeah. Well, I mean, and it teaches tolerance, and if we're not tolerant towards each other, then, you know, it's then it's not working, but there are... Very strong viewpoints, I guess, on both sides of this issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm in total agreement that you know people should be treated for who they are. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And if you, whatever your sexual preferences or whatever your religious views are, people shouldn't be judged for those things. And you know, we shouldn't pose our own judgments on other people to, you know, you know, and try to make people think the way we think. Because, as you said, it's America, and that's what makes us beautiful. It's, yeah. And it's hard to sometimes believe that, right? I mean, it's easier to say it yeah. than to actually practice it. Mm -hmm. But really, it's, I always said, 
free speech is the one thing you would spend your entire life fighting against. Like you just spend every last nickel and dime and every ounce of your butt to fight this. And free speech is letting that person that thinks otherwise have his say. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and it's unfortunate and it stinks. And I'm not saying that I agree with it, but yeah, I, I mean, you know me, I mean, and Brad, we, you and I have had this chance once to talk, but I mean, I'm always sort of less government. So like if there's a side of less government and less regulation, because I promise you all it takes is a couple um, posts and no one's going to stay at that hotel. He's going to sell it and something else will be coming in there. And <laughs> for all you know, then a certain dem- they might market to that demographic that was shunned only a year later. So, All right. We'll move on to trivia. I like it. And I actually had to go back to the last episode and find what trivia question we had. And that trivia question was, where did the name of Alpena's State Street originate from? Anybody have a guess? Wow. I don't know, really. Did it have something to do with a a freighter? No. Or some kind of a (laughs) shipping apparatus? It did not, no. (laughs) And the answer is Alpena State Street, or Avenue, was originally named State of Main Street after the many people from the state of Maine who lived on it. Interesting. Yes. Wow. I have a lot of relatives in Maine and on the East Coast, and I did not know that. Now I do. Thank you. (laughs) All right. And this episode's trivia question is, what well-known professional sharpshooter gave a free exhibit at the Alpena County Fairgrounds in 1906? And the answer will be next episode. Hmm. So, something to think about. I like it. All right. Male or female? Is a female. Female. Okay. That was a big hint. <laughs> I wouldn't even give another hint if you would have went to the theater last season. <laughs> that was a really big hint. I had a feeling I knew it was. And then you just did that, and now it's just pretty much over. But hey, whatever. It's still be fun. I mean, hey, that's the beauty of the trivia thing. That's right. All right. Guess we'll take a break and come back with the interview. So, um, I started with so. You did. I don't wow. think it got on there until you said it. Right. Well, anyways, um, we have Brad Summers in the kitchen with us today. He is the executive director of the Boys and Girls Club. Somebody we know rather well because why, Brad? We, they were our beneficiary for the costume on last year. And since I purposely did that for that reason, because what would you like to talk to us about the costume around? Well, this year the beneficiary will be the Alpena Plaza Pool. Awesome. And that's something you just decided this week? Yes. I was sitting in church yesterday morning, and I was debating between a couple organizations, and then just popped in my head. Um, the pool would be Personally, I think it's a great choice you made. Um, I tried not to bias you too much on it, because there was a lot of Brad putting on Facebook um, looking for suggestions. Yes. Just some ideas to help maybe get the wheel churning a little bit. And um, there were a lot of great, super awesome. There's quite a few to choose from. So. Um, well, their need for kids is 
our guest knows is all too well, all too well in our community is great. <clears throat> However, um, the pool does a whole bunch of different things. And um, first of all, I think it gives a chance for kids to get educated about water safety, yep. swimming. And since our community is what, 75% water or something like that, yeah, probably being able to know how to swim in that is probably a very valuable <laughs> thing. Um, so um, the pool itself, maybe some people don't know this, but they've run some hard times at times. Yeah. And um, any time I know that there's been a running fundraiser, I remember the one year we did that together. So it's just a good, yeah. good reason to support. Yeah. I'm happy to do it. And I, Texted Krista yesterday to see if we could, if they would want to do it, and we could use their name on our promotional flyers and all that. And she came back right away, said, "Oh yes, please, thank you. Yeah. That'd be great, and we appreciate it." So, I'm already feeling good about it. That makes me happy that you're excited about it because, I mean, we <clears throat> haven't talked too much about it, but you have to be the most excited about it out of everyone in the room. And if you are, then it trickles down yeah. to the rest of us. So yes. that's what it was last year. Yeah. You were super excited about having the Boys and Girls Club. We even have a little promo video. We do. That's going to be even better this year because <laughs> I know what I'm doing even more. <laughs> but, was, yeah. It was great this year. Yeah, I mean. Last year. Considering we threw a lot together. I mean, every year we just tried to do a little bit more, you know. And um, So, Brad, um why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself that don't, doesn't know what Brad Summers is? Like, where'd you grow up? Let's start simple. Well, I grew up in this city called Alpena. Um, I was born and raised here. Um, ended up uh, 19 years old, moving down to Ypsilanti, Michigan to pursue my uh, bachelor's degree in business administration at Eastern Michigan. I uh, lived in the Ipsy Ann Arbor area for another 12 years before ending up moving back here to Alpena in 2009, 2010. Um, I've been with the Boys and Girls Club for almost 17 and a half years, which is my entire adult life, um, working in just about every capacity you can imagine, um, starting with AmeriCorps. Um, as a volunteer working with adjudicated youth in this community here in Alpena and uh, in partnership with the court system, um, then to a program aide to just about a unit director to executive assistant to my position now as the executive director. Um, so a lot of people don't know that 17 years, um, you know, I've put into working with kids in a lot of different backgrounds. Um, you know, it was a huge eye opener moving from Alpena to Ypsilanti where, you know, I could walk into a room here and, you know, it's mainly Caucasian. And it was a great eye opener for me to be able to go to a completely different place that I did not know and be a, a, with a different population um, that when I walked into the room, I was I was the minority. Um, you know, I was very lucky to have parents who taught me right from wrong that you treat people the way you want to be treated with, you know, equality and those things, um, which were very, very important in my life. Um, you know, being able to, you know, to work with um, an at-risk population in a very impoverished area like Ypsilanti and especially in the area I was working with off Michigan Avenue down there, um, you know, it, it opened up and broadened my horizons, you know, it made me appreciate, you know, humankind even more. And, you know, that's something a lot of people, I guess, don't know about me. It must be 
there's a certain familiarity we all have with Alpia. You can we could walk down to the fresh palette right now and I'm sure there's gonna be somebody one of us knows in there mm -hmm. to go to an area where you don't know anyone in the room, you know. So that's probably maybe help you get rid of the person a little bit. You know, and I met some people um as that were fellow staff members there that I'm still in contact with, you know, seventeen years later, you know, still contacting and, and talking with people. So, you know, it it uh, so many important things, you know, with that in particular, but, um, you know, and it was nice to be embraced, you know, because, you know, you set off a certain aura or a certain persona where you want to embrace people for who they are and people pick up on that. And, and I think that's, you know, extremely vital, especially when you're trying to work with, you know, a, a demographic of people or, work with, you know, others who may not have the same viewpoint or the same upbringing or whatever it is. So, you know, that was great. So <clears throat> you're now the executive director. What all, what all does the Boys and Girls Club do for those that, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in the area, most of our listeners probably know, but I'm sure there might be a couple of people that really don't know all the Boys and Girls Club does do for our community. Why don't you just give us a really try hard. <laughs> To give us a brief <laughs> overview. That was my next question. Is this is a half an hour program? Okay. Yeah, yeah Brad, you're very nice to remind me of that. Um, so, you know, at the Boys and Girls Club, I mean, we've been in Alpena since 1926. Um, you know, we're on our 93rd year working in this community. And what a lot of people don't know about the Boys and Girls Club um, is, you know, we are 100% community-based a community-based organization. We don't see pass-through dollars from the National Boys and Girls Club. Um, you know, every penny that we raise is raised from the people living here. And, you know, there are grants, of course, that, you know, are, are part of things that help with our mentoring programs and help with our volunteer programs and there's foundation money. But, you know, those are, those are decided upon by people that live here as well. So, you know, this is, we're, we're in Alpena for 93 years because of the support this community has given us. Um, you know, we, we try to have our hands in a lot of different pots when it comes to the development and the growth of our young people. Um, cause these are people who are going to make decisions about you and me soon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more that we can build these kids up and we can give them the resources and the skills to be successful and give them the education and, you know, like the things we were saying earlier, you know, treat people with equality, treat people with kindness. Um, but yet don't let people walk all over you too and have a voice. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's a huge need in our community and, and other communities for kids to step up, have a voice and be heard. And, you know, so many times politics are brought into things or, you know, other viewpoints are brought into things that, you know, kids don't really understand. Kids are kids. And, you know, when they see things, they see things through the social media <clears throat> and through our media sources. So sometimes kids get a skewed perception of things. Um, you know, and that's a that's a wonderful thing that my team at the Boys and Girls Club and myself were able to, you know, show kids the different viewpoints and show them, you know, it's not just about what you see on Facebook. There are other viewpoints that are out there. And, you know, our society is changing so quickly when it comes with, uh, in terms of technology to uh, just just everything. The, I mean, kids have more information at the tip of their finger than we did when we were growing up. We actually had to use books. Yeah, well, the accessibility <laughs> to information for people is at an all-time high. Yes. The problem with that is not all the information is credible. That's right. So, um, 
you know, and that's, that's a, there's a huge need for education. Um, you know, we're, we're taking more books out of kids' hands to, you know, do other initiatives through, uh, you know, when it comes to politics or government and stuff like that, we're not paying enough attention to what our kids need, you know, and, you know, it's, it's amazing to be part of an organization that puts every resource it has to helping this next generation grow and thrive and have a safe place from maybe the chaotic nature of their own home lives. You know, for us to be a home away from home is, is amazing. And, you know, to see a teen population that is, is growing exponentially that's attending our facility and, and looking for resources and being able to partner with other people to find those kids that need our resources has been integral. I mean, it's been just extremely, extremely crucial because the more kids that, you know, we can provide services for the better off our society is going to be in the long run. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of social recreation that we do, just kids conversing peer to peer, playing pool, hanging out, playing foosball. Um, then we have, you know, structured leagues of basketball with the kids and having volunteers come in and teach skills. And, you know, we have robotics and STEM programming and uh, computer technology to financial literacy. Um, you know, we've had a lot of the, the banks in our area have done a wonderful job of contacting and reaching out and providing resources for, for kids to learn about savings accounts and what credit scores are and things that when I was 18 and moved away, I wish I would have known. <laughs> um, really something you brought up, I thought it'd be great. Some of what Brad did, um, the money he raised helped go toward your STEM program. Absolutely. But I know that at least we told you you to put that money wherever you need it. <laughs> and then, um, one of the things you, I remember you mentioned was STEM program. For people that don't know what STEM is, other than thinking maybe it's a flower, why don't you explain <laughs> that to it? Just you know, give them a brief overhand so they don't understand when they hear that term, they know what it's you know, we're talking about. Absolutely. So it's uh, science, technology, education, and mathematics, or engineering and mathematics. Um, and a lot of it is is just hands-on building of materials, making things work. So, you know, it could be building a, a robot using a pulley system to move it or using kinetic energy or using battery power or, um, you know, a lot of what we do is we have a program, Lego Storm, and it's like uh, basically the kids just, they get together in, in a room and they have kits that they can put together and we have like little robotics competitions and STEM programming competitions where, you know, the kids build something and, you know, no matter what they use, if they use battery power, kinetic energy, pulley systems, whatever it is, um, you know, they race and they find things out and these kids learn from their best practices. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool when, you know, kids that may not be, you know, super into sports or, you know, or, you know, jump shot isn't their favorite thing in the world. But when they're building something tangible that, you know, they can set and start and see, you know, see through to the objective and the goal at the end and see it work. And then, you know, watching that aha moment in a kid's brain um, is, is pretty special. So it's pretty cool to watch and pretty cool to see. Um, and STEM programming is, I mean, engineering and mathematics nowadays. I mean, there are so many career-related fields that are out there um, that are that entail a lot of these skills. So, you know, as as an organization, you know, trying to provide resources and skills for kids, you know, we listen to the kids too and what they want to do. Um, you know, the high school in our community and the junior high in our community, it's just amazing with the programs that they are running. And it's it's waking up a whole generation of younger kids, you know, six, seven, eight years old 
old that are seeing these things in the paper and these kids going off to world and national competitions and doing really well. And they're from Pina. And, you know, that's a testament to what they're doing over there. And, but it's neat to see, you know, them be very interested in something as well. Cause you know, we, uh, we do a homework out program as well. And, you know, sometimes kids just don't want to do homework, but it's neat when the kids can actually like get their hands into something, build something and see it from start to finish and, or come back to it the next week or come back to it the next day and be excited. Um, cause education should be exciting and it shouldn't just be, you know, sitting and just staring at books. So, um, and, you know, so, and kids learn different than they used to. Yeah, well, it's because there's a different world out there now. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, <clears throat> i tell you what, I mean, I've always just amazed at all you guys do for everyone in our community. And um, you already know, I think, the world of you. So I don't need to get too much into that. So, <laughs> yeah. so well, let's do this. We're going to take a break. We'll talk a little bit more about the Boys and Girls Club. I will structure this out for you in the rest of the episode. So we're going to take a break. We're going to hit a couple more things about the Boys and Girls Club that I think are important for our community to know. Then we're going to talk about the dinner, tickets, what's going on the night. We're going to hype it up. We're going to pack the house. And then we're going to do our top five. So then, and then we'll close the episode out. Sounds great. Okay. <clears throat> Brad, I know um, with spring coming, um, the club sort of changes what it becomes when the school year ends. And um, why don't you explain to me your hours during the school year versus your typical day versus your typical summer day? So the hours during the school year, um, you know, we're open from 2.30 till 6 every day, uh, well, Monday through Friday. And then we have teen hours as well um, from 6 to 9 um, each or six to 8 PM, um, on Fridays. So we have, uh, specialized teen services where, you know, they're not around the little, the six and seven year olds. And, you know, it's more dedicated time for just them to socialize and be around other peers and to be in a structured environment. Um, you know, it's supervised by caring adults. So, um, you know, we have quite a few, uh, teenagers that have been taking advantage of the services. Um, which is kind of interesting because just three years ago, you know, if we had 15, 20 kids for a teen night, we thought that was awesome. Um, you know, now it's, you know, 40 is a very low number and sometimes 60, 70 kids. So it's very, it's, it's a time that with consistency and offering these times, kids have been more apt to, to know that, you know, on Friday nights, they come down to the Boys and Girls Club from 6 to 8, participate in some kind of an event, you know, either it's maybe laser tag or even a movie in the gym or something along those lines, um, something fun that they want to engage in. Um, you know, we we used to run dances. I mean, 18 years ago when I worked at the Boys and Girls Club here in Alpena, um, we used to run dances. And there used to be 250 kids that would show up to these things. Um, you know, myself and one other employee would run these <laughs> with that many kids. It was yeah. crazy. Um, you know, I'd like to get back to that where we have all these local teens knowing that Boys and Girls Club is a place that they can come, you know, and be kids or be teenagers. Um, you know, we all have the viewpoint at, at our facility that, 
you know, kids are going to make mistakes. That's what they do. I mean, we make mistakes as adults, but we want the kids to be accountable and learn from those mistakes. And if they continue to progress through life, not being accountable for what they're doing or not learning from their mistakes, then, you know, kids take a turn for the worst. And it's I talk to kids almost every day about the fact that because they attend the Boys and Girls Club, they are they are supported more in this community than they will ever, ever know. And more often than not, kids that, you know, are now 24, 25 years old, I mean, even 30-year-olds, you know, that I've worked with in the past have come up and said, you know, being able just to come into your office and talk for five minutes about stuff that's going on in my life that, you know, you're, you're not my parent, but you're not, you know, my therapist, but you're kind of, you're in the middle and you don't tell me what I need to do. You help me mm -hmm. and you guide me in a direction. And, you know, we never tell kids, you know, just, we tell kids obviously, you know, stay away from abstain from bad behaviors and stuff, but kids need to make mistakes and, you know, and to learn from those moving forward. And I think that's, what's really important is a healthy development. You know, kids are told good from bad and they need that. Kids need structure, you know, at 13, 14, you know, we want to, they want to be independent. Well, they want to be treated like adults, but they don't have those skills yet. Right. But, you know, you can treat them like young, young adults, but at the same time, you know, being there to pick up the pieces when they, you know, crumble or fall. So um, in that afternoon part, you guys usually give kids a snack, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we have we have snack like right when the kids get off the bus. So the junior high and high school kids and the um, parochial school kids, they get there just right at 2.30. Um, and we have snacks ready for them right at the, um, the counter. Um, and then at 4.30, we serve, a, we serve a meal. So Monday through Friday, the kids get a meal. Um, a hot meal um, provided by Good Things Catering, Charlie Doobie. Um, she's been our caterer for 15 years, if not more. And um, so every day the kids get something. You know, I, today was hot dogs and and uh, tater tots, and believing that's what we had tonight. Um, but you know, the kids they they know that they can get fed and supported um, while they're in our care. Um, Without going down a sad road because I don't necessarily, I know you're not, but a lot of times that's, it's important for the kids to know the structure in the meals there. I guess. Absolutely. And the kids show up. Um, you know, there's certain kids that never complain about any food that's given to them. And, you know, some, uh, some of those kids are, the kids are in the most desperate need in our community. Um, you know, this is something I, I talk about, generational poverty in our community. Um, you know, people that I went to school with and you went to school with, you know, that struggled to find meals and have parents put clothes on their backs. You know, some of those kids, you know, and adults are having kids of their own with the same struggles. And, you know, that it, it's, it's heartbreaking because there's a lot of factors, obviously, that go into it, um, you know, from education to you know, whatever it is. Um, but we have a lot of people in this community that are growing up on assistance and welfare and bridge cards and EBT and whatever else. Um, you know, and those things are put in place to help families. And there are a lot of families that absolutely need it and are desperate for it. And, you know, but then there are, you know, other <laughs> individuals, you know, that, that, uh, you know, they, they try to work and, you know, 
when you try to work, then your your sub your sustenance is is cut. So you know, working poor is is no different than just is the poverty issues. So, you know, there are just so many factors that go into these things, but that breaking that cycle of generational poverty is, is, is hard and frustrating. And, but, you know, at the same time, being able to provide for a family, whether it's pointing them in the right direction for resources or being able to provide a food bag every Friday so that, you know, we know that the kids are going to eat something. Um, you know, cause that, that need is out there and, you know, we may not see it every day. Um, but I always come on into the club, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, the at risk and, you know, the, the, the generational poverty and some of these issues, but, you know, we cater to all kids and, you know, the, it doesn't matter if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, or making a thousand dollars a year, kids, a lot of kids, you know, they still have the same, the same needs and, you know, they need attention, they need structure. And sometimes that family that's making a hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, they, they can't spend as much time with their kids because they're working so much. And then another family is just so sick and tired of seeing their kids all the time, <laughs> you know, cause they're always, you know, they're home or whatever it is at that, you know, it's just this, it's a cool mix of kids that we get to see and cater to. Um, you know, we have kids that have Xboxes in every room, you know, every kid has their own. And then we have other kids that don't even know what an Xbox is, um, and, you know, struggle with everything. So, um, but they can all get into a room and love each other. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you can see all this going on and, and, you know, and, and be able to provide that space for that to happen. It's pretty cool. Why don't you, let's pivot to the summer. Cause I know it changes a little bit. Yeah. Yep. So we're, um, we're open 12 to six during the summer, uh, Monday through Friday. Um, and then we have specialized youth volunteer core programming, um, that takes place early in the morning. So from eight to 11, um, we have, uh, programs where the, uh, our volunteer program where the kids are out packing food boxes for the needy or cleaning up city parks or working with watershed projects with NOAA or Huron Pines or, you know, doing a lot of really fun, engaging things to get kids more in tune with the community that they live in. So, um, you know, we are, we're open, <laughs> we're open a lot during the summertime. That's our busy time of year. You know, when schools are out, the clubs are in. And that's, that's a huge mantra that we have and that we, we abide by is that, you know, the kids discretionary time is important because if we can attract them to do good things, then they're more apt to continue doing good things and carrying that on to where they, where they might go after Alpina. <clears throat> they stay here. How many kids does the club currently have? Uh, so right now, well, we just finished 2018 with just over 1,200 kids that visited our facility. Um, so there are 40, a little over 4,000 kids in our school system. So we see about a quarter of the school system, which means that we have a lot of work to do because we would like to see more. I mean, that's our that's how we strategically focus each year is how are we going to increase attendance, recruitment? Um, how do we get kids in our doors? What do we need to do? Yeah. Um, so... You know, and that, that goes back on to Brad, you know, um, you know, providing fundraising money for us to provide resources for those kids to come in that are, you know, something that they like to see and like to do. Um, we can't we can't do what we do without the support of the community. I mean, that's just you'll hear me say that a million times. And that's that's completely 100 percent true. Um, so, 
um, you know, the, the summer is by far, you know, our, our busiest time of the year. Um, we have the most fun. I mean, it's the school year is a lot of fun too, but, uh, you know, the school year we get, or the summer, we see a lot of kids that we don't see during the school year as well. And, uh, you know, we also provide a lunch during the school year. So, you know, during the right now, or during the summer, we provide lunch, um, you know, during the summer, we'll probably see upwards of 125 kids a day. Um, sometimes less, sometimes more. Um, but we, uh, you know, if you've been in our facility, um, that's a lot of kids, um, for the little space that we have. And, um, so we're always creative on our approach to, you know, facilitate as many kids as we can and in, in the most safe way we can, because yeah. that is safety is our number one priority with working with children. Um, so, oh, so all that, that you just went over this last segment, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but why did you tell our listeners how much it costs to sponsor a child for the Boys and Girls Club for a year? So our, um, our, um, our sponsor fee for a kid for a year is $20. Um, currently, it costs us about $274 per youth uh, per year to attend our facility with all the resources, food, everything else that goes into it. Um, so we have a modest $20. Um, I, honestly, I wish we could do it for free. No. Um, you know, we, but we do have real expenses. Um, we do have, we have a lot of parents that, you know, provide scholarships for the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have currently 65% of the kids in our in attendance with, which is just over 625 kids come for free anyway. Yeah. Um, they're provided with scholarships and, you know, and these aren't scholarships. Like we have a, a big fund of money somewhere. This is, we're never going to turn a kid away from wanting to attend our facility. Right. As long as, as long as I'm sitting in the chair that I get to sit at at the boys and girls club, no kid will ever be turned away for services. And I think I wanted to bring it kind of full circle there. When you talk about every time I listen to all you do on a day in day out basis for the kids or even for a year, and the, the idea that you're, that you do it all for 20 bucks a kid, just absolutely just, can knock me over every time. Well, it, it goes back to the whole community support. We yeah. we can't do it without the community. I mean, yeah. without the backing of good people in this community that recognize what we get to do and what we are blessed to be able to do every single day, um, we can't. We wouldn't be able to continue what we're doing. You know, the Boys and Girls Club in 93 year history has impacted tens of thousands of children, um, and. I want to continue that trend. You know, I want it to continue and I want it to grow. I want to see some, I want to see big changes, yeah. good changes. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back and then we'll, uh, I think it'd be a good chance to talk about one of those big changes that you guys talked about last year at the annual dinner. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that and then we'll segue that into this year's annual dinner, which will be a fun either way. So absolutely. All right. So last year we, uh, well, my wife and I have been going to your annual dinner for quite a few years. Quite now. a few years, yeah. Um, Matt Mishinsky always did a good job of chasing me down, and um, who doesn't love the opportunity to win some money? We were always alerted at the shot, and I think our first year we won five hundred bucks. I yep. think it was something yeah. like that. And then <laughs> ever since then we haven't. But it's not really about that. But yeah, it but is you. really a neat experience for those of you who don't know about the 
dinner, which we'll go into a little bit more about here in a second. But uh, last year at that time, you guys made a pretty big announcement. Um, we made the announcement that uh, we are rolling out a capital campaign. Um, you know, we we still haven't set out the exact date of a rollout. Um, you know, we are very we're very eager to start the process, but we want to exercise every option that we have to know exactly that we are going to be the best stewards of any kind of pledges or money that comes our way. Um, you know, and there's big decisions, you know, take a little bit of time and, you know, we're very eager to want to, you know, start the process, but, you know, at the same time, you know, we have to have a clear understanding of what we want to do. And, you know, there are options that we're looking into and, uh, we're trying to find the best option to bring the most updated facility to these children. Um, these kids all deserve a first class experience when they come into the, into the boys and girls club. Um, you know, I kind of alluded to earlier, you know, about the kind of busting at the seams. I mean, we are, we are running out of program space. <laughs> we have the needs there and, you know, we need to, um, this, this capital campaign is, is, is beneficial for the kids, the community, and everyone that the Boys and Girls Club serves. And, you know, I think it's it's important to know, you know, we are in a facility that we've been at for uh, almost 50 years, and it's served us well in that time. But, you know, there are structural issues. There are, you know, non, not as though it's not safe, but, you know, and the kids, you know, they, they don't notice the big giant crack in the floor every day. You know, they don't notice that, you know, the ceiling tiles are wet because there's leaks in the roof or, you know, the lighting system is from 1971 and, you know, uses 18 pound bulbs that are impossible to replace or, you know, they cost a fortune. Or, yes. Or you have to have someone come in with a boom truck, yeah. you know, or a scissor lift yeah. to, you know, to get to them or, you know, the just the and just the update and, and the maintenance and the. Um, you know, the cost of those things that we incur um, is, is crazy. And, you know, we, we want to obviously, you know, I, I'll say it a million times too. We want to be the best stewards of any money that we receive. So, you know, we are kind of, we're excited, eager, but apprehensive at the same time, just because of the fact that, you know, we want to, we just want to have a clear definition. So when I say we're doing a capital campaign, I can tell you exactly, this is exactly what we're doing. This is how much it's going to cost. And this is how we want to go forward. I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, or, but I truly appreciate that because you can kind of see that with the jail that's gone on where we know we needed a new jail. Absolutely need a new jail. Yeah, 100%. But now we're at the point where we've passed the millage and now we can't figure out the budget versus the money and all this. And I can appreciate you wanting to kind of have a lot of the ducks in a row before you really start heading out on this. So. Well, and, you know, key players who, um, you know, want to donate, you know, they don't want to donate to something that's kind of wishwashy. You know, they want to they want to donate to something that has that clear plan and has that clear definition of how to attain what we want to attain. And, you know, I, I'm very lucky because the board of directors and, is very analytical in this. And, you know, Kevin Skibar, board president, is is amazing at getting and rallying people together. And, you know, he is he's 
getting the collective whole as a board of directors, you know, focused on where we want to be and how to get there. Um, you know, and he's able to bring in, you know, key people like Bruce Dietz has been helping with, you know, showing us what some of this stuff means. I am no expert at real estate and I am no expert at USDA loan applications and new market tax credits and everything else. So it's nice to be able to dig on the knowledge from other people. And, um, but it's, you know, it, it's not something we can also do for $25,000. So, you know, this is a, this is a, a big decision, um, not only for the Boys and Girls Club of Alpena, but for the city of Alpena. Um, you know, we're almost embarking on our 100th year anniversary here. Um, and it would be cool to be in a new building before then. Yeah. So for what you had talked about the previous segment of wanting to continue to grow and, you know, if there's you have 25 percent of the youth population now that you get it, you know, north of 50 and above. A new facility would probably help a lot with that type of thing. Absolutely. You know, and I think a new updated facility would attract other people that might not normally, you know, utilize their services. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I can't, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've sat at, you know, back to school events or sat at, you know, some career fair or something along those lines or something, you know, like a spring break day or something. And, you know, a kid will walk by the table and say, what's the boys and girls club, you know, and I'll hear things like, Oh, it's a place that kids go that don't have parents or it's a place only the poor kids go. Or it's a place that only the kids that are in the juvenile court system or the kids that are in trouble go. Or, you know, all these negative stigmas that were associated. And, you know, over the past six years um, as the executive director, I ch I've, I've worked hard to chisel those down, mm -hmm. you know, and talking to good people in this community um, that recognize that, you know, we cater to all kids. Mm -hmm. We don't just cater, you know, it's no different than the school system. I mean, you know, the school system so caters to kids in the juvenile justice system too. And those kids need support. And of course, those are the, some of the kids that need us most. And that's part of our mission. But, you know, we, you know, we inspire and enable all youth. And that's, that is our mission. So, you know, if we were only catering to one side of the population, then we're letting down a whole other side of the population. So, you know, that's, that's been a, it's been a difficult process because, you know, people have that, you know, growing up like, well, you know, the club, man, you know, that's only for the, those are for the bad kids. There's a negative connotation. Yeah. And, and that is so far from it. Um, we have just, kids are kids. They're wonderful. I can't, you know, kids can't control the environments that they grow up in. You know, I, so as long as kids are supported and, you know, and they know that it's a safe place. All kids are good kids. Yeah. It's awesome stuff. So last year with the dinner, I guess we can talk a little bit about this. So when's the date for the dinner? Do you happen to know it? Uh, May 17th. May 17th. What at time the, does it start? Uh, starts at 630. <clears throat> and it's at the Aplex again this year. Um, you know, seven years ago, we had the smaller room, which I, I don't know the name of the room but um and two years ago um we started uh, requesting that we wanted the bigger room um because we were lucky to see 85 people at this event um over the past five six years i mean it's gone from 150 to 250 to 350 to just over 400 people last year um and that is huge 
um, because every single person that is in that room is helping us achieve our mission, is providing much needed resources, when either uh, whether it be uh, monetary donations to silent auction items to um, just donations to help. Um, you know, that is, that is crucial. Um, and very important. So this, this raffle dinner is our, it's our signature event of the year. Um, you know, and our board engagement has been wonderful and they have done a lot of work to attract new donors. Um, you know, it's a, it's a much younger crowd that's attending, which is awesome, but we celebrate everybody. We celebrate the people that have been supporting us for 60 years and we celebrate the younger population that's stepping up to help our community. So, and the kids that live in it, um, you know, I, I grew up in Alpena, you know, it's, it's easier to do the, the, the negative things. And you have sometimes that connotation, like there's a lot of old people here. They don't want it. They don't want anything to do with this young population growing up. Um, and I found that the church groups are the first people that call about making donations. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that was just me as a spiteful 18 year old growing up in Alpena or, you know, or it has changed in a positive direction over the past, you know, decade or so. I would think it's a little both. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Um, and of course I'm a lot more mature than I was at 18. So yeah. barely, though. It, it barely. Yeah. Barely. <laughs> barely. Oh, um, oh, barely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it, it's it doesn't matter how old you are. Um, it doesn't matter where you come from, what you do for a living. It, you know, it's all about helping another generation grow and thrive. And so many times, I, I can't tell you that you know, I, sitting in my chair or walking around with the kids. And just being able to positively impact a generation of kids. I mean, we're not going to change every single kid's viewpoint. We're not going to change every kid's family life. But, you know, if we get to a few, we're doing our job. Yeah. Um, um, so how much is a ticket? Uh, tickets are $100. And what does the $100 get you? So it gets you drinks and it gets you uh, two meals and it gets you a raffle entry. Um, and the raffle entry is really cool because we have 185 slots. So we sell 185 tickets for this event. Um, and we have a grand prize of $3,000 and nine other payouts all the way down to a hundred um, for the, the payouts for the raffle. So it's basically, you don't want to be the first 175 tickets drawn. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty lucky, too, because we've had some uh, sponsorships in the past where we've been able to do uh, like Bill Kelly's giving us Yeti cups and mm -hmm. things. So we're able to provide some incentives. But, you know, it's uh, it's pretty cool um, because it's it's uh, it's different. You know, it's not something everybody out there is doing when it comes to fundraisers. Well, the my two favorite things are one. I love the countdown. I love how you <laughs> just, you count it down and you know, it's, I guess if for those that have come to it and they can know what I'm talking about, but it's interesting. There's nothing more hilarious than when you hear number 78 and then you hear the table go, Oh, you know what you hear or, or what's even better is when you get down to like the last 20. Yeah. You know, and everyone starts getting excited. We bring you up on stage and yeah. you know, we, we try to, 
we try to have as much fun with it as possible. That's why we like to give first out gifts because you know we feel bad for the first five to ten people out. You know, um, but you know most people that buy tickets, you know they they know that it's going to support the boys and girls club. So you know it's just a nice incentive to yeah. be able to win some money or you know to do those things. But um, it's pretty cool though. I mean, you know, dinner for two. I mean, I take my wife out, you know, we, we go out to dinner and, you know, after a couple drinks and dinner for two, I mean, I'm paying 70, 80 bucks every time. So to know that you can, you know, sponsor or buy a ticket for a hundred dollars and, uh, you know, the proceeds from that go to help the kids. Um, of course we have food costs that go into yeah. it and things of that nature, but, um, so something else that I know that you guys do with this event is there's, other fundraising opportunities. You guys do a silent auction. We do with some fantastic donated items. Yeah, last year, so with the uh, with the addition of uh, a couple of board members last year, um, we went from twenty five items to almost seventy five, um, <laughs> which is which is just awesome and high ticket yeah. items. Um, you know, you know how difficult it is. You know to or challenging it can be to acquire donations or follow up and you know, the, the time that goes into these things um, and to have a strong board presence and to have individuals who, you know, are on the board because they want to see positive change in our organization and see change in our community and our culture, you know, for them to step up, to, to go out and, you know, utilize contacts and acquire things that, I may not be able to acquire because um, I don't know everybody. Um, well, it's a time issue too. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, there's, you're, there's you're busy doing things that you sh you should be doing. <laughs> you shouldn't be trying to track down whatever from whoever. You know, I mean, a phone call. I know you 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 would always make time to give somebody a call. You've done it for me. You know, you've helped me chase down donations. Before. Yeah, and well, and if I can utilize anything that I can give, I love to do that. Yeah. So. Um, it's, so, you know, the more, uh, silent auction items, obviously the more funds that are raised. So, you know, having Kevin Peterson sponsor a dinner for 20 people or, you know, Captain Snyder providing, you know, two hearted charter tours for, for, um, six of the yeah, it's, yeah. it's just awesome, yeah. you know, to see the support. And it's just a, a warm feeling, <laughs> you know, to know that you're supported like this. You guys uh, do cool. the seed game? Yep, we do the seed game, um, which is <laughs> kind of neat because it's just basically it's just a seed packet with a ticket on the back. And we have, uh, we have an item that uh, Bolins uh, donates every year, um, which <coughs> is, I mean, from diamond pendants to diamond necklaces watches. to Belova yeah. watches to really really nice items uh and you know that's one of the prizes that we're able to give out for just the sea game we also did the beads game yeah. last year where and, and i couldn't even tell you how that thing was run um that was melissa lappin's baby yeah. um and she did a wonderful job but you know i'm running around that event like a chicken with its head cut off so i'm, I'm trying to figure out uh I, I remember watching but um you know and it was a it was a good time and it's pretty cool. Um, I think this year we've got we've got one or two more that we're going to do as well. And I mean, it's you know a three and a half hour fundraiser, but it goes by so fast. Super it's, fast. It's and crazy. It's super fun. It's it, it, we try to make it as fun as possible. Yep. You know, as engaging as possible for the donors. I think that's something that I always try to do with ours, and you know that 
it takes a lot of hard work because you it's a fundraiser and everyone knows why everyone's there mm-hmm. you know mine's for the united way yours for the boys and girls club but you want people to come and have fun exactly you know and if they come out and have fun you know nine times out of ten they'll say hey why don't you come with me this to next year and then they have you know you can see that growth mm-hmm. So. And we have no, like I, I um, said at the beginning, um, you know, we've gone from 100 people to 400 people in a pretty short period of time. Um, and, you know, and I think a lot of that is hitting the pavement, talking to people and, and really advocating the, the need for our services in the community and what we do and the impact that we have. Well, I think that wraps it up. I know we really just touched an iceberg for you. <laughs> but the good news is is that you're always welcome to come back on. I had a great time at your St. St. Patty's Day Bulletin last Friday. <laughs> so um Yeah, that was a blast. And that's uh yeah, that's one of our other major fundraisers of the year. Um it's a little easier going because it's just you know, it's a lot easier. Yeah. You know, people are coming, it's more party atmosphere and you know, and there's it's just in your bowling. Yeah. You know. All right, so we're going to come back. We're going to do our top five, and then we will finish up the pod. Great. All right. Now for our <laughs> top five list after some discussion, and it is top five first-round matchups for the NCAA tournament that starts Officially on Thursday, but it does start tomorrow with the first four. That games. doesn't count. Well, it kind of does. But they're playing to get into the tournament. So. I don't know. Whatever. They say the field is 68. But. Well, it's tension. They're saying they're going to add four more teams to the college football. Are you happy? I don't give a shit anymore. It's all about money for them. Wow. It is all about the money. It is. It is all about the money. I miss I miss the Rose Bowl being the national title game. They <laughs> just either stick with the Bulls or just make it all a big playoff system. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool to have. Just tell me how I feel. Well, no, I don't mind listening to how you feel. You just seem very aggressive all of a sudden. So you're saying that that three and twelve team versus the the four and six team and. In a random poinsettia bowl isn't fun to watch. Not really. No, <laughs> no it's not. No, There's <laughs> too many bowl games to begin with. <laughs> that I hundred percent agree. I can only take off so much time from work during Christmas to well, watch the, bowl games. The problem with the bowl <laughs> games is that I don't mind. I didn't. I don't. I understand the purpose of them because I think some of these schools should have conference championships or like yeah. games. They should, but I don't like the idea that I'm supposed to care about them. That's what I don't like. <laughs> Like, I don't like feeling that, like, I have to, you know, and um, that brings up Brad's point, to, like, think that you would have Alabama play Central Michigan because they won the MAC in a potential round of 64 or whatever it's going to be, and then all of a sudden something weird happens where Alabama's star quarterback gets hurt or defensive lineman. Yeah. It's hurt in a shitty game against Central Michigan where they're winning 75-3. to three. I just don't see it. And I guess you could buy out. Like, you could give Alabama the buy for the first four rounds or whatever, but I mean, then they're sitting on their ass while the other teams are getting hot. I just – it's a cluster bleep is what it is. So I just don't 
Yeah. Nobody's ever going to be happy, no matter what they do. Oh, yeah. So. All right, let's get to the top fives. And my number five is Yale versus LSU, just because of all the drama going down at LSU right now with the coach being suspended and they had a player suspended, but now he's back on the team. But coach being caught on an FBI wiretap is just <laughs> what's ballsy. Is that coach believes he should be coaching right now? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have a problem with. Believe it or not, it sounds terrible. I don't necessarily have a problem with what the coach did. What I really honestly have a problem with is the FBI took time and money to wiretap this guy. They've been doing it to a couple schools. And and I get it, but, like, man, we got people attacking mosques, killing 50 people. That's what the FBI needs to be worried about. They do not need to worry about whether these kids are getting paid or not. Because they all, they all are getting paid. Of course they are. So, like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand the why. And, I mean, whatever. It's the rules. There's a lot of problems going on. <laughs> but I, when I saw that, the first thing that came across my mind wasn't, wow, that guy's going to get in a lot of trouble from LSU. My first reaction was, what is the FBI doing chasing down a Division One basketball coach? I mean, and really, what he's doing is paying benefits. If if you want to say maybe like the best way I can get around it is like they're skimming tax dollars. That's the best thing I can really get away from it. Other than that, really, what is the problem here? You're paying a kid that's extremely talented and something good at doing, which he could do at the pro level. I mean, you can't even buy these kids a sandwich. Yeah, but I just like I don't <laughs> understand like what's wrong. Like I mean, I get it. Maybe paying kids is bad. I'll give you that. But you're getting the FBI involved. <laughs> like this seems like really serious. I mean, that's like what the other scandal going on with colleges where the parents are paying yeah. their <laughs> kids to be accepted to a school. No, again, I don't necessarily have a problem with that either. I don't either. Because, They're going to pay you anyway. But. Yeah, I mean, let me ask you something. If you're University of Michigan, and all of a sudden, pick a celebrity, Diddy. Diddy says, hey, I want my son to go to U of M. And they're like, well, your kid's dumber than a box of rocks, Diddy. I'm sorry. And Diddy goes, I got a half a million dollars a year that says my son's smart enough to go to Michigan. Guess what I'm doing? (laughs) Welcome to the University of Michigan, John Combs. Bring a kid on in. In the next six years, your alumni association is going (laughs) to get that same $500,000. You cannot know. If somebody wants to buy it, I guess, I mean, I can understand but, it. Yeah. I, I get it. But at the same time, like, I guess all kids should have an equal opportunity for education. And I, I thinking back on it, they're paying somebody to take the test for the kids, which I was, their girls did it, but they didn't have a big <laughs> well, and, but that's what I'm saying. And North Carolina, North Carolina had a whole. They had a fake class. They had a fake class. For their whole sports I guess that's what I don't get. Like, I mean, I get that you could be outraged about this, but be outraged about the right thing. I mean, they have a freaking class where people are going around. I mean, anyways, so I'm going to calm down now. But I guess I'm just saying. But what else? There was something else I wanted to talk about. This jars me out. It's loose in my head. And then oh, we'll keep talking. It'll knock it loose. Your number. Your, oh, wait. You always go last. My number five matchup is uh, where I just had it up. So that's my number one. Syracuse versus Baylor. It's a good one. So, like, Baylor's pretty good. 
a lot better than people think. But Syracuse, of course, always gives people the trouble with their zone. So I think it's really good. And I really like that next round matchup. Because if Syracuse beats Baylor, they would play Gonzaga. And I really think that could – I mean, but the good news is Gonzaga actually can shoot the ball, so right. they can shoot the, out of that zone. So, anyways. Taylor Evans goes up to the hype in the tournament anyway. So. Yeah, I don't really – I have nothing – I don't have a lot of anything to say about Baylor, so. All right. <laughs> it has some troubles. All right, yes. My pick. Uh, number five. Number five, uh, Virginia Cavaliers and the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs. Oh, God, I hope they beat them. Wouldn't it be sweet to see a number one go down two years in a row and be Virginia both times? Oh, it would be so beautiful. On paper, happy. the the Gardner-Webb team actually scores more points, but their defense is atrocious. Yeah. I would be like a monkey and just <laughs> poop, poop in my hand and flipping around the room. I'd be so happy. That'd yeah, be pretty lost. amazing. Um, I do not understand how Virginia can be number one seed right now. Nope. I don't understand and they're ranked number two. Or UNC, even for that matter. But Ah, UNC's not a bad team. No, I'm not saying they're a bad team. Yeah. But to, we've talked about this earlier. You have three ACC teams in their one yep. seed. And then you're going to put Michigan State as a number two seed. Who just won the Big Ten tournament. And against Michigan. Yeah, against so it's not Michigan. like they played somebody that was, like, crappy. You know? I mean, Duke played Florida State. You can make the argument it was, like, Florida State wasn't maybe the ideal matchup that UNC-Duke yeah. final game with. But, like, Michigan-Michigan State got Duke UNC would have been the ideal final matchup, but I mean the way that it worked out. But my God, I think the losses, the losses Michigan State had worked against them in this. You're losing to Indiana twice, and Illinois. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Bad that, losses. That is, and then I present my case to the University of North Carolina because they had some atrocious losses as well. But I mean, I get it. I understand. Like my whole point is like depending on whatever you. Reasoning that the committee wants to use, you can use that reasoning against both of those other two schools. But I get it. Well, Virginia lost to Duke twice in Florida State. I mean, those aren't really bad losses. I understand that. And I also heard today on the radio that the Michigan Michigan State game really didn't matter for the committee because they had already made up their mind. Hundred percent. I knew that. I agree. I knew that. And, again, I talked about this earlier today, not with you guys, but I'm more mad still at the Big Ten commissioner than I am at anyone else. So. Why is that? Because he scheduled those last two Michigan-Michigan State games too close together. Well, then you should be mad at ACC, too, for the Duke-North Carolina game being so <laughs> close together. Well, I mean... It's, it all comes down to the money. Partly, yes. Yeah. But they could have just moved that first game Two and a half weeks ahead. Michigan was at seven, right, when they played Michigan State, I believe? Or the top ten. Yeah, the top ten. I think they were at seven. Then they fell down to 11 after that? No, they didn't fall out of the top ten. Okay, so but they stayed at ten. Ninth? And then when they played Michigan State again, they went to number nine. I mean, they were at number nine, and then they went down to ten this week. They're at ten this week right now. My whole point was is if they were at a seven, and you would have, after that loss, they went down to a nine. You would have had the opportunity for them to win enough games to maybe bring their upbringing up a little bit. For either side. This, I'm, just, I'm not saying it, it doesn't help Michigan State either. Because Michigan State beat Michigan three times, who I believe is a really good basketball team. Right. And it doesn't look like that on paper. 
that looks like they'd be the same a team that's like you know a top ten team, but it's not a top five team. Mm-hmm. And I think you can make the argument that Michigan's a top five basketball team. Right. That, that's all. Right. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my number four is Northeastern versus Kansas. And this is one of my upset picks because I'm going to go with Northeastern to win. Wow. Because I don't trust Kansas at all. It's bold. I don't trust Kansas. It's a bold, bold pick. So all those Kansas fans out there prepared to be sad and lonely whenever that game happens. I don't know if it's Thursday or Friday. But if it's Friday, it's all over. Kansas is done. Cause Thursday. It's Thursday. Well, then that gives them a little hope, but. Number seven, Cincinnati versus number 10, Iowa. I think Iowa, I don't really know a whole lot about Cincinnati, but Iowa is kind of streaky. I think it's the game of, I've heard a lot of good things about Cincinnati, but I've never watched them, so I really don't have a lot to say about them. I have watched Iowa play a couple times this year against Michigan and Michigan State. Yeah. I don't know if they have enough to beat Cincinnati, but I'm not exactly sold on Cincinnati. And when I look at, again, when I think the Big Ten had a really good conference this year, I think that, you know, I would like surprise somebody there. Probably top to bottom, the best conference out there. Remember the ACC. I don't know. I haven't seen much of Cincinnati either, but they've been in and out of the top 25. So they usually have a good team. Their coach is fiery. Number four. Number four, I'm going to say the Buffalo game versus the play-in game of St. John's and Arizona State. Oh, my God. Um, I'm actually excited about Buffalo. It's a, oh, I don't like it's a, about that. It's a darn good basketball team. Um, scored more points than most of the teams in the tournament. I know they're upwards of 80. Most teams are lucky to score 70 anymore. Um, they've got a dynamic uh, point guard and a post presence. And I'm kind of excited to see what they might do in this tournament. Um, you know, and one of the best records in the country at 31 and 3. So, Massenburg on their team. Yep. The stud. You want Arizona State to win the, win the playing game because. Bobby Hurley coached at Buffalo before he went to Arizona State. So that'd be That's a good point. Kind of fun thing. Yeah. Well, that air, that playing game is by far the best playing game. You should have Bobby <laughs> Hurley going against Chris Mullen. <laughs> so, I mean, that's pretty sweet. So It would be funny to see Chris Mullen get in a fight with Bobby Hurley. All right. My number three is Florida versus Nevada, just because the winner would play Michigan in the second round. So it would be nice to – Scout two teams, see who would be a better matchup. I got Florida in that game. Iowa State versus Ohio State. Iowa State is a lean, mean machine. Ohio State has been like kind of weird this year. Like one minute they look really good. For a while they looked really good against Michigan State. And then reality set in. So I don't know, but I do know Iowa State's really, really good, and I think that he could get away from Ohio State really quick. And it's does, Ohio State. Who doesn't enjoy watching Ohio <laughs> State get their butts kicked? So, uh, so my my number three um, is the Purdue Old Dominion. Um, I really like this Purdue team. I mean, they're they're a pretty big seed. I mean, they're number three. They're a three seed in the tournament, but. 
you know, that, uh, that big seven foot three center that they have there, um, who isn't a beanstalk and actually looks like a grown adult at 19 years old or 20 years old at seven foot three and the footwork that guy possesses, um, harms, right? Yeah. Yeah. Harms. Um, it's pretty pretty crazy to watch it, you know, in the Big Ten when, you know, they played Michigan and Michigan State, just watching him play this year. Um, you know, I'm not too too hip on what Old Dominion has, but I don't think it's gonna be a very close game. And it should be fun to watch the Purdue Bullermakers do something to move on. All right. My number two is Minnesota versus Louisville, aka the Patino Bowl. So it would be funny to see Rick Pitino come back from Greece for a day and watch this game. So just put him right behind the Louisville bench. With probably wouldn't be a good idea, but put him behind the Minnesota bench. And do I, this is probably a little bit sick and twisted, but I don't care. Do the Pitino boys have different mothers? Do we know that? I don't know. Yeah, there's no yeah, Richard you, is Rick's son. So. Yeah, well, I know it's just to be interested in the kind of. He knocked up the waitress. At, yeah, like <laughs> just have just make this as much family drama and like uncomfortable as possible. I guess is where I'm going with. Like where the, the, the announcers could even really talk about it. Like, oh, there's Theo's other. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, my number two is Duke versus playing game. Nothing more than I want to see Zion absolutely just destroy that team. Man, and, that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've the hype machine is out of control now. Like since he, I thought the hype machine was bad before he got hurt. Yeah. Oh, it's and it's it's even worse now. Now I hear he's the greatest basketball player to come to the draft since LeBron. So he's past the MPD Davis now. They're calling him a mix between Magic Johnson and Shaquille O'Neal. Matt Cameron, come on. Me, I hope he doesn't get hurt because he's going to weigh 300 pounds. Yep. He does. <laughs> my well, response pretty was pretty damn close already. Well, that was my response. Who says he's not 300 pounds right now? <laughs> Anyways, he's, uh, he's an impressive young man, that's for sure. Um, he is going to – I mean, I would love to do nothing more to be wrong, but he's going to have an unbelievable two or three years in the NBA – and then much like I feel like Russell Westbrook, where eventually you can only do what he's doing so long, and then it's just going to be like running smack in the wall. And I think Russie's going to have like – Russ has got about one more year left in him running around like a madman, and then he's going to have to actually like – He's already icing his knee down. Yeah, like you, but you get what I mean. When yeah. you play with that kind of intensity yeah. and jumping around and crazy you – know, I mean, Allen Iverson's a great example of that, right? I mean, Allen Allen's – First five years versus the last five years are just like two, two different samples. So, yeah. I will say Zion's been better than I thought he was going to be. His passing game is impressive. I mean, he actually has a jump shot. Mm-hmm. It's not the greatest jump it's shot. Ugly, but it's there. Well, well, you probably heard this too because you, you and I listen to the same pot. But the thing is, he actually has a jump shot. It's not necessarily a good jump shot, like you said, but it's something that a coach can work right. with and they're going to be able to develop. He's actually going to be all right. The, the thing that I always had a hard time believing is obviously I followed Zion for a while. And when you watch him go against a highlight tape, which looks like maybe he played Posen at one point. Like, like It was a bunch of five, 10 white yeah, guys. But, I mean, but you have my point. So to watch somebody like tear up on a highlight reel of like Posen, you're just kind of like, 
Well, I mean, how good are you really? Because like, it doesn't. I'm not impressed you beating a whole bunch of four foot white people. Like that's just that, <laughs> that just doesn't impress me. So when I I was excited he came to Duke, and I really thought he's going to be mostly alley oops and running around and take advantage of RJ Barrett and Trey Jones. And lo and behold, it didn't matter who was on the floor. It just happened to be four foot white guys. You could have put seven foot black guys out there, and they, he was still going to be just running around and making crazy. And that's the thing that I think surprised both of us. Yeah, so. and he just makes that team better. He just, I mean, without him, without the the past, what, six, seven, eight games that he wasn't playing, they were not playing at the same caliber as a Duke basketball team. R.J. Barrett was struggling. Trey Jones Well, you struggling. have to understand there's a reason for that. So they talked about this. If Zion would have been done, Duke would have changed everything that they did. But Duke knew that Zion would be coming back. So they ran the same offense, and they ran the same plays, and they would just use Alex O'Connell as Zion. Now we both know there's a really big difference between those two basketball players. So, But that's what they would do. To Coach K's credit, he didn't want to change a thing. So when he did come back, the team was – he wouldn't have to re-coach the team all over again saying, okay, we're going to have to learn this all over again. So, yeah. Smart. Yeah, they, the best question I heard was, what if Zion decided he didn't want to come back? And Coach didn't make that move. I was like, well, I mean, they would have been in trouble. I think they, I think he had a pretty good idea of what he was doing. So Every time I see Zion walk, I think he's going to go murder somebody. <laughs> he walks with a purpose. I, no matter what he's doing. Yeah. My favorite thing about him is I guess, he just looks like he's having fun. Like, he enjoys basketball, which, I mean, that's what I love about Steph Curry. There's lots of basketball players that are like that where – they're just like, I don't know, they're just out there having a good time. That's not to say players like Tim Duncan aren't great, but there's just something awesome watching about. Yeah. When he was on the bench hurt, and, you know, I think it was the Syracuse game, there was a bad call. They were going to halftime, and then he had a scowl on his face like he wanted to hurt somebody. Yeah. Really. I wouldn't mess with that guy. That profile video I had where Zion was leaving the UNC game after they lost – it's probably the best thing I've ever seen of a basketball player not in a uniform. He was so flipping angry walking into the locker room, and he was in pants and a polo. And I was just like, that is amazing. That is everything you could ever want about an athlete on your team, any sport. You just want someone to care that much. I mean, he wasn't even playing, he was pissed. So, like, that's just awesome. All right, enough about Zion. Brad, number two. Well, my, my number two, which – Maybe is one of your number ones. Unfortunately, I'm going to say this: the Murray State game against Marquette. Mm-hmm. I want to see John Morant. I want to see him live up to the hype of what people have been talking about all year. He's played in a, in a somewhat obscure conference where he's been challenged, but not like he will be against a Zion or you know some of these bigger name players in these better schools. Uh, Marquette's a good matchup. You know, for them at the beginning, they're still underdogs, obviously, but um, but still, I, you know, I want to see this. I'm scoring 26 points a game, kid, run around and start scoring against some some big time, you know, Division One players. Because um, uh, yeah, they're talking, you know, that he's going to be the number three overall pick next year. They're talking that. Well, I'm know, just, that's my number one. Yeah, so that's one. yeah. yeah. So um, I think it's by far the best matchup. So it's, we all have it, so that's great. Well, you just have to tell us your number one after this time. But it's by far, to me, the best matchup. And I'm not saying that just because it's a Duke coach in there, because you know I love to do that. So, um, But 
I really also did it for Michael Beermeister because if he's listening <laughs> to this, I know that he has that game circle that he will be watching. It's going to do really suck bad at the news that day. So, I mean, he's that boy's hype right now. That boy's hype right now. That's what mm. I'm saying. I mean, Marquette has Marcus Howard on their team and the leading scorer in the NCAA. So yeah. it's going to be a high-scoring game, lots of offense. So all right, you're not going to win. Oh, my my number one. Back you. Yeah. Well, my my number one is the is the Michigan game. Um, we didn't previously say that one, right? No. No. Yeah. Um, you know, obvious for for obvious reasons. I'm a I'm a Big Ten fan. I'm a Michigan fan. Um, you know, and I want to see them get to the national championship again. I want to see them do, you know, live up to their hype too. They've got a great team. They've got post presence, three point shooting. They've got a little bit of everything. You can make an um, argument that that's a really big first round matchup for Michigan, mm-hmm. especially the way they like to get out on a roll. Um, I don't think the Michigan State loss was a bad loss because it was a pretty close game. Um, a lot of guys were upset that they in the game. A lot of tears are going, which you don't mind seeing. Um, but it's nice to see him play with emotion, especially after losing a lead, you know, at halftime like they did. We've been texting back and forth, Brad and I, for three months about Michigan's lack of outside shooting. Primarily, Xavier Simpson could just is just so bad, like it just stares at you in the face, and it just he's going to have to have a good tournament. Got to hit those open shots. Yeah. When he makes that sweeping hook shot, when he makes it, it looks fantastic, doesn't it? Well, but he when makes he shoots it, quite it a bit. yeah, it's, it really it's, it's his outside shot. He he, he, he has no jumper at all. Well, it was that it was a minute to go where they left him open, and he looked to pass the ball, and he realized that who he's going to pass it was double team, and you could tell he looked like, oh, I'm there's no one seriously guarding me. They are daring me to shoot this, and then he just chucked it up, and you could tell. It, it wasn't going to win because he shot it with such piss poor confidence. And I was just like, this game's over. We've lost this game. He's streaky. I mean, you see how he did in the Minnesota game. Yeah, I mean, but... my God, he couldn't miss. You know, he was uh, all the whole team was, <laughs> was winning like crazy. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. If Michigan and Simpson come out with a really good first game, they'll win the next game then just because that's just how they are. And then you'll kind of have to reboot it in around 16, you know, all over again. But he Charles Matthews is better, mm-hmm. you know. So he's fine on defense. This is. Do you believe that Charles Matthews isn't is a hundred percent? Because I don't believe it. Well, I don't think he is. Yeah, he's so. he's the only senior on their whole team. Yeah. Did you see the senior night? Isn't Charles Matthews a redshirt senior? Yeah, this is. His he was yeah, okay. he was the only yeah. one that walked yeah. to the middle of the court yeah. on senior night. I just think it's an interesting. <laughs> I think. He will be better exponentially as the tournament goes on. I think he needs to get his legs underneath him a little bit. That's got to be pretty tough to jump in. I mean, not that it, those prior games were – I think Michigan winning so lopsided ahead of the Michigan State game mm-hmm. kind of actually did them a disservice a little bit. That's mm-hmm. my hot take on that. I mean, he hasn't been the best shooter his whole career. But he's just got to make a couple more jump shots. So, Whatever happened to the, the pick and roll with Teske and him shooting that shot? Why don't they do that anymore? I don't know. And that's John Beeline. I didn't mind that high screen roll. But I think what they do is I think that the problem is that they run that. Well, Matthews has been hurt. And then they relate to run that play with Simpson. And then people just know, okay, we're just going to let follow Simpson on the double. And just, you know, if Teske makes a shot, then we'll go out there. So that. 
But I really think they can run that pick and roll with Matthews, and it's very effective. Yeah. And Tusky hasn't been hitting shots lately either. Yeah. So, so, I don't know. It just seems like they got a big lead yesterday, and then their offense just been stagnant. And, mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. I'm done. Great. Well, let's end the segment. All right. And then we'll start the next We're running out of time. So. Thank you for coming, Brad. Yes, thank well, you. Thank you both for having me. Um, those of you, one more time, the date for the Boys and Girls Club Gala? is May 17th. How much is it? $100 a ticket. And one thing we didn't talk about, where can people get the tickets? Uh, well, they can call. Um, they can stop by the Boys and Girls Club. They can talk to any of our board members. Um, I love to deliver them. Um, go figure. I like to talk to people. So, um Call me. I will stop by. I will drop them off. I can mail them uh, any way or possible. You can always shoot us a message if you're actually motivated and listening to this. To, if it moves you, if this pod still moves you, <laughs> you can get it, reach out to us and we can get you in touch with Brad. So, Butterbear, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, it's going to be a week full of basketball. It's our favorite time uh, of the year. Thursday buddy. and Friday off from work just so I can sit on my ass on my couch and watch basketball all day. I took half days. Probably put on some pounds, but whatever. And then I, Saturday is the photo walk with Rick. Yep. So I'll be taking a little break from basketball. So hopefully I don't miss any good games. Other than that, it's nothing but basketball for four days on the weekend. What about you, Brad? Praying for my kids to nap so I can watch basketball. Yeah, I understand that. Um, yeah, in between in between tantrums, yeah. um, I'm sure I'll be watching some basketball as well. But um, yeah, good news. Michigan plays late <laughs> Thursday night. That's so a beautiful I thing. I think this Friday morning is the firework kickoff for the Chamber Dome at WATZ. It's either Thursday or Friday, and then Friday night is at Arden Loft. They are doing. Um, the Micro Adventures from Zach Irving. He's doing a kickoff party. He's so inclined to have it during Michigan's, um, our Dukes game, which is really, I'm really happy about. Uh, Saturday is Rick's photo walk, as we talked about. Good chance that that's going to be during the Michigan State game. Congratulations, Rick. And then also, um, there's also the Bots by the Bay this weekend. So they're hosting the the kids with the robots, the robotic competition at high school this weekend. So that's going down also. And also the final thing is Thunder Bay Theater. This is the last week I believe you catch Charlotte's Web. So that is everything I got, which is a lot. And I'll be watching basketball. I took half days Thursday or Friday. We'll see if I use them. Oh, you're busy. Oh, I'm not doing all of it necessarily. Well, some of it I am. I'm not doing the bots on the Bay. Alex is doing that. I am doing a Rick's photo walk. I probably will go Friday, stick my head and see Zach. Um, oh, my I will watch the game. I'll swing by, <laughs> drop, and make a donation for the fireworks. I so, can probably do that since yeah, it's so, in the morning. Yep. So, so I mean, a lot of it I will do, but yeah, the bots in the day. I'm out. I would like to go to the theater, but I got basketball. Lunch. Well, and I just, I mean, if I can't get to the theater either tomorrow or Wednesday, you're not going to see me. I mean, I'm just being honest. So, I don't even think there's shows tomorrow or Wednesday. Correct. So, so yeah, I can see me. I'm sorry, Jeff, but can't make it. Sorry. I don't understand. I mean, we've had this conversation before. I don't understand why people schedule things during this time. And I'm okay if you schedule things this time, but then they don't ask me to come. <laughs> it's really that simple. Like, because, I mean, I'll do anything for anyone. I don't have many things where, like, 
I'm like, oh man, I really like that Saturday in the fall from September to November mm. for, at noon. I'm busy. Just like I'll take a bullet for something, <laughs> just not in the face. Yeah. I'll do whatever you want, <laughs> just not during this time in March. You know? Or if you want to have a, uh, you want to get married in the fall, grab them his schedule and say, when does Michigan have the bye week? I'm going to get married. <laughs> it's real simple. It's that. Scheduling. You don't have the wedding during Michigan Notre Dame. Or Michigan Michigan State or any of this. I get it. Really? I'm probably coming across it. Man, you care about sports so much. Well, I do. That's my thing. We love sports. I mean, some people watch The Bachelor. We watch sports. Mm -hmm. It's what it is. It is what it is. I mean, I've never shied away from what I am. And this weekend, have a great time with my friends. Haven't seen some of these people in a year. I was sitting there at the bar and I was watching Duke play because that's what I was going to do. I was told whether I was with you guys or not, this is what I was going to do. So <laughs> I just happened to be with you now and you ever watch me watch this game. Yeah. And they're like, well, what about, like, are you going to talk? I'm like, I'll talk a little bit, but I'm watching the game. Is there a commercial on right now? Yeah. I don't think so. We have, we've been, we have eight hours we're together. I'm only asking for two and a half hours of that eight hours. And I'm still here hanging out, buying drinks, and we're having a good time. I'm just saying that I care about this. I'm emotionally invested in this game. That's all I'm saying. Yep. All right. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys next week. We will check in with our tournament picks. All right. Sounds and, good. And, um, yeah. Awesome. All right. See you.